Well, praise the Lord. Well, I, uh, as most of you this week, had a tough week and trying to figure out what's going on and how, what to do, where to go. And, you know, y'all, y'all can always go back and watch the messages. See, I can't ever watch the messages that I preach because when I look at myself, I get too critical and I say, oh, my God, you crazy idiot. Can't believe you said that. So I can't watch myself and to encourage myself. But, you know, a lot of times you just got to dig down. You got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen. Amen. And that's what that's what David did. When we went to Ziklag. He went into Ziklag and all of his town was destroyed. All of his crops were gone. All of his, his family was gone. Everything was taken away from him in a moment, in a second. And the Bible said he sat down and he wept. And then uh, Texas term, and then he pulled his boots on and said, the Lord's with me. I'm going to go on. And so that's where we are this morning. So I was asking the Lord about what the message is today. What are we going to do today? What, Lord, what, what, what in the world uh, can be done? And so uh, the title of the message today is Faith in God in Hard Times. Okay. And I don't know if this is, I don't know if I'm going to finish it today. I got 10 points. And so that doesn't look good. That I would finish it in time, but I mean, it may be faster. But uh, you know, so many times, so many times, we're trying to convince people that God's going to do what He said He'd do, and that's really not right. We really shouldn't have to be convincing people that God's going to do what He said He's going to do, because every man has been dealt a measure of faith, and we all have faith on the inside of us to keep believing in God. But a lot of times we start looking with our eyes, we start looking around everything going on, we start, start seeing the things that are taking place, catastrophes happening, horrible things taking place, we start to just start lose faith. We're just like, you know, what, where is God? What is he doing? Okay. And I want to start you off, so get your Bibles out. Romans chapter 3, verse 3. Romans 3, 3 and 4. It says, sir, what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. Everybody say, let God be true. Come on, say it again like you believe it. Let God be true and every man a liar. Come on, say it one more time. Let God be true and every man a liar. Listen to me, we're in the days and the times, and I've been telling you all this for over two years, that we have to get and develop our relationship with our, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today is not a day that we need to be messing around and just kind of going here and going there and just living apathetically. Today is a day and a days are times that we need to know that we are on the rock rock solid on Jesus and that that is a good place to be because we know that God is true and every man a liar. You know, you're going to get so many varied things. I've told you this, told you this time. You can't do anything. You can't buy one thing from, from the internet and go look at it. And one person loves it. The next person is the worst thing they ever got. You're going to get mixed results from man all the time. You're not going to get the truth coming from man all the time. You're going to get varied stories all the time. But God is true. Everybody say God's true. I'm telling you, God is true and every man is a liar. This word, God's word, it is true. It is truth. It is truth that we can build our life on. Amen? Now, sometimes we don't always understand how things are working and why this isn't happening, why that isn't happening. But listen, you can't turn and look at God and say, well, God, what are you doing? You're not doing your part. Because I guarantee it's the fault of man, not God. Come on, look at the person beside you and say, man, he's preaching good this morning. I want you to look at another one. Hebrews 13, 8. Hebrews 13, 8. 
Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday. That means the day that he was walking down the dusty road of Nazareth and he was going around and he was healing the blind and healing the sick and, and touching people's lives and people were being blessed and transformed. The resurrection, the, when he came up out of the grave, when he walked with the disciples for 40 days on this earth, those same day, that day, he said he's the same then as he is now. Well, folks, listen to me. You got to understand something about the Bible. You got to understand something. You got to get this down in your heart. You got to be able to, just like I've got a, this big old rock pulpit to pound on. It ain't going to break. It may chip, but it ain't breaking. And listen to me. If you're at the place in life where you're taking scriptures and you're believing some and not believing others, you're saying, well, I believe this, but I don't know about that. I believe this part, but, you know, I'm just not real sure about this. Listen to me. You're, you're on unstable ground. Because what you're doing is you're picking and choosing what you put your faith in. If my Bible, which it does, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, so he is the same today. Well, then let me tell you what. It's the truth. Amen. And if you believe differently, if there's doubt coming into your hearts, if there's doubt seeping into you that Jesus, what he did, then he won't do today. And that he's not going to take care of your future then I want to tell you something. He's winning. The doubt, doubt is winning. The devil is winning in stealing your faith from your heart so that you do not believe God. Everything in the kingdom of God operates through faith. He said, well, I know, but that's so hard because if I could see it, I'd believe it. And God said, if you'd believe it, you'd see it. And the church, and I'm not talking about just, I'm not picking on y'all. I say church, I mean everybody. Everybody calls themselves a Christian. The church has been sitting around asking God to do something when he did do something 2,000 years ago on the cross of Jesus and put everything in our hands, wrote it down in a book, gave it to us and said, if you believe it, I'll do it. And we're still asking God to do it. Christians are asking God to do it when God said, I already did it. I did it 2,000 years ago, got the power and authority, gave it to you by the blood of Jesus, put it in there with you, gave it to you, and then what, what now? Use your faith, he says. Yes. But what do we do? We say, God, would you do this? God says, I did it. I put it in your hands. So what is the devil going to do? He's going to try to steal your faith. He's going to try to get you to believe. He's going to try to twist everything in your world around so that you want to doubt that God's going to do what God said he'd do. It's his tactic. But it's up to every man to make a decision whether he's going to believe God or not. Now, I tell you, I'm going down swinging. I've seen God do too many things. I am not going to give up. I am not going to turn and I am not going to stop. I mean, tie me to a wagon wheel and beat me with a rope. I am not going to quit. I'm going to say, no, Jesus Christ, same yesterday, day and forever. And they can mock me. They can do whatever. They can say you're a lunatic, you're crazy, whatever. But I'm going to stand there until I see my Jesus come back. Because I know the Bible says that there are people that are so crazy at the end of this time, at the end of the world, when the, when the wrath of God's being poured out on the world, there'll be people who will stand up, see God. They'll know it's God. They'll know that he rolled the heavens back. They'll know it's God. And they'll say, go away from us. We don't want you. And I'm like, I can't fathom that. That, that is crazy. How could you be seeing God and saying, I don't want you? Because that's the wickedness within men's hearts. 
We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where things are not right. It is not the garden. If you've been listening to my Wednesday night messages, I've been going through this about what salvation is, talking about the garden and talking about how beautiful God made it and how man destroyed it and the curse upon this earth. But I'm telling you, faith is the essence of all things. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For I say, though the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. There's nobody in the world. Nobody has an excuse. Say, well, I just couldn't believe God. No, you didn't want to believe God. Right. Hear what I'm saying? You say, no, I, I, I don't know. I just couldn't believe. I couldn't get my faith going. No, let me tell you something. You didn't want to believe. Because inside of you was faith. You didn't want to use it. It's like I've told y'all so many times. Listen, my favorite tool is a 12-inch crescent wrench. I use it as a hammer. I've even used it as a screwdriver before. I use it to take off little nuts, big nuts, whatever I got to have. Right? Throw it. It's my tomahawk. It's everything. Always have it right there. Just reach in my truck and get a 12-inch crescent wrench. It's the wrong tool most of the time. I didn't go get the right proper wrench, but I was in too big of a hurry. But man, it'll get you out of a bind. Amen. All right. But that doesn't mean that just because I got a 12 inch crescent wrench, I don't know how to learn to use the other tools correctly. And what we as Christians want to do is we just want to use the big sledgehammer. We just want to use this when we want to, but we don't want to figure the rest out. But every one of you have faith on the inside of you. Faith that will move mountains, Jesus says. Oh, so many times he says, if you could believe. Or if you could operate in faith, you say to that mountain, be there removed and cast in the sea. It's in us. It's down here in us. But what are we going to do with it? Are we going to use it? Are we going to develop it? Are we going to get more faith? Or are we going to be hindered by the devil, hindered by this world, hindered by people to where we will not believe what God said He'd do for us. So let me tell you some things about faith this morning. I have nine things about faith. The 10th one, I have a 10th one, but it isn't about faith. First thing is you got to understand faith has a voice. Now listen to me. Faith has a voice. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 13, faith has a voice. If you want to know if you're operating in faith, you need to listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what's down on the inside of you, just listen to what comes out of your mouth. If you're not sure, ask your friends. Are you a person of faith or a person of doubt? Just ask your friends. They say, oh, yeah, we don't like to be around you when you're on a bad day because you just talk trash out of your mouth. If you have a friend that'll be honest with you, <laughs> right? Second Corinthians 4.13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. I believe and I spoke. I believe and it cost me faith to have a voice. So what's coming out of your mouth right now? The enemy's winning. Or God's going to move. Things are horrible. I don't know how they can get any worse. Or God, I just thank you. You got me. In the palm of your hand ain't nothing taking me out. 
I thank you, Lord, that, 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 that though the battle looks fierce, the battle's not mine. The battle belongs to you, Lord. See, I'm not saying denying facts. I'm not saying walk around like, like with blinders on your eyes and just don't look at anything. I'm just saying, what is your faith speaking? Because, folks, we're in, we're in trials. We're in troubles. But what's coming out of your mouth? If you have faith in God in the hard times, God's going to get you through. But you've got to get your faith working. And faith has a voice to it. So listen to what's coming out of your mouth. I'm not saying you got faith in you, folks. I don't have a lot of faith in me. The older I get, the less faith I've got in me. Hello? I look at that and say, man, don't pick that up. You're going to hurt yourself. Don't jump out of the back of the truck. You think you can, but do not do that. You know? Things like that, I start knowing I can't do it. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. I can't do it. A person was telling me the other day, which this sounds bad because what I'm preaching was telling me the other day about a, a shooting contest they were going into and that they had to go over, a, a, had to run seven miles while shooting. And I said, you're going to die. I said, I ain't no way. I ain't no way. I said, hey, I wouldn't even walk a mile doing something like that with a pack on and all the stuff. You know, no, no way. And so my point is, is that, you, you know, it's not faith in yourself. It's not faith in your great ability. It's faith in your God because you've developed a relationship with him and you know that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Hello. And you know that, that if you're under the blood of Jesus and your sins are forgiven and you're right with God, that he's going to take care of you. Then it starts coming. A voice starts coming out of you. It's the voice of faith. And you can look at something and say, you know, things don't look too good, but you know, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen. Somebody said, what are you going to do? Well, I'm not real sure right now, but I just know I'm going to follow what God says to do. And I want to hear his voice and we're going to get there. Amen. You don't always have to have an answer for everything. Hello? You just got to have a voice of faith saying, look, I don't know exactly, but God's going to do it. Amen. God's going to take care of it. Okay. Number two. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. Matthew 9, 20. Second one is faith determines your direction. Okay? Faith has a voice, but then as you start speaking that voice, that faith determines your direction in life. This is a story of the woman who snuck up behind Jesus. I just want to read a little bit of it, starting in verse 20. Matthew 9, 20. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only, no, wait, wait, look, look. She said to herself, she's talking to herself. You can talk to yourself and that doesn't necessarily mean you're crazy. As long as you're talking faith to yourself. Hello? So she's encouraging herself. She says, if I may only... If only I may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. That was the direction of her faith. Her faith took her to a place where she said, man, if I can just sneak through the crowd, if I can just get in there and I can just get over there, sneak up there and just touch the hem of his garment. Don't even need to talk to him. Don't need to shake his hand. Don't need to introduce myself. Don't need to tell him my problem. Don't need to let him, need, let him to lay hands on me. Don't need him to anoint me with oil. Don't need him to spit on me. I just need to touch the hem of his garment. If I just touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be made well. A great, great, great preacher that I love, and you can go look him up. He's still on the internet today. He's gone on, he's in heaven, but he's still preaching. 
I love that. I hope I get to preach after this, after I go to heaven. But anyway, uh, R.W. Shambach, and he preached this message and, 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 uh, about faith. And I was listening to it over and over and over and over and over yesterday and the day before and the day before that, just trying to keep myself encouraged. And, and uh, anyway, he tells a story that he was in a tent meeting. This is back in the 50s. And there was a woman, a little Baptist woman, and her daughter was born cross-eyed. And she said in herself, she said, if I can just get under the tent and Brother Shambach's meeting, if I can just get my daughter under the tent, I believe my daughter's eyes will be made straight. And so... They were set up at this certain place, and, and, and Brother Shambach walked out, out of the tent, seeing him was getting put up and everything, and he looked over, and he saw this woman. She was just weeping and weeping and weeping. And he went over to her and said, ma'am, uh, what's the matter? And she said, oh, Brother Shambach, I'm so glad to get to see you. I, I came here early because I was trying to get a prayer card to come to the meetings because I had so many people in those days. You had to get a prayer card, and then your number was called, and you got to come up to be prayed for. And he, she said, I came early, but then I, I, I didn't realize there was no meeting tonight. And I've driven all this way to be here, and I only have today, and I've driven all this way to be here. And I was wanting to, I, I was, I, I said to the Lord, if I can just get my daughter under the tent, you'll heal her eyes. And he said, well, you know, goodness, is this your daughter here? And, and she said, yes. And so he knelt down and looked at the little girl, and then he got up and said, ma'am, is this your daughter? And she said, well, I think I know my own daughter. And he said, well, her eyes are not crossed. And she jumped down there and she looked at the little girl and she just started jumping up and down and dancing and dancing and dancing. And he said, she said, if I can get my daughter under the tent, she'll be healed. And she literally brought her daughter under the tent and miraculously God healed her daughter with nobody laying hands on her, nobody doing anything. Amen. See, my point is faith has a direction for you. When you start speaking by faith, it starts putting a direction in your life. This woman said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And then what does she do? She gets in there. She touches the hem of his garment. Jesus stops and says, whoa, what has happened? Who touched me? Well, he was in a crowd of people. Everybody's touching him. Everybody's bumping up against him. Even his own disciples are bumping up against him. There's probably ladies coming up and rubbing his shoulder and playing with his hair and everything else as he's going by. Just wanting to touch the man of God. Right? And Jesus says, who touched me? Because somebody touched him not just in a compassion way or a empathetic way or a, you know, a just I love you way. Somebody touched him in faith. And when he touched Jesus in faith, power came out of Jesus. Heal the woman. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is the same yesterday, day to forever. I'm telling you, if you can touch Jesus, you'll be healed. He said, well, now you're going all Pentecostal. I said, man, I am Pentecostal when it comes to this. But Jesus, it says, turned around to her when he saw her, he says, be of good cheer, daughter. <clears throat> the faith of your church healed you. Be of good cheer, daughter. Your mother has been praying for you and your grandmother. The great man of God that's laid hands on you. No, it says your faith made you whole. What? Now, you got to understand something about Jesus. Jesus operating all the gifts of the Spirit. He could operate in miracles, great faith, healing, whatever. But that woman got healed by none of that. That woman got healed by simply her faith. What was inside of her? The faith that I just told you that, that Romans, 12, uh, Romans 13 says that you got that on the inside of your faith. Yes. Tapped into the power of God. See, folks, today people are losing 
their faith in God because God's not exalted. When I grew up, you know, I'm not that old. Some of y'all got Miss Coward tomorrow. Tomorrow's her birthday. Going to be 94 years old. Woo! Praise God for that. <laughs> Serving the Lord all the days of her life. But listen to me. When I grew up, there was Ten Commandments on the schoolhouse wall. Wow. Ten moral. You hear what I'm saying? Just, they could just be moral suggestions. There you go. Let's just say it that way. This is saying they're, they're the, not the inspired word of God. They're just good moral suggestions. Thou shalt not kill. And they were there in front of us. They were there looking at us, staring us in the face. But then someday somebody got, got this decision that said, no, nah, we need to get that out of that. That's influencing people for God and churches. said, there to be a separation. We need to get that out of the classrooms. So we take God out. So you take faith out. So you take faith in God out. Then what happens? We end up in the mess we're in. And there's no way around that. I mean, you can just cut that however you want to. You can chop it up and come out there. You can send me an ugly letter. I don't care. You're wrong. I'm right. You take the moral standard out, folks, you end up in the mess. Now, I don't care if you want to be Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal. I don't care if you want to jump up and down, and shout and run around the church, or if you want to be as quiet as a church mouse. I don't know if church mice are quiet, but they always use that. After I said that, it didn't sound quite right. Why would there be a quiet church mouse? But anyway, I don't care where you want to do. That's not the issue. The issue is, is where's your, where's your, where's your, your focus? Where's your faith? Because faith is going to set your direction. This morning, coming to church, if your faith is in your direction, when well, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to touch God. Then, folks, that's what you're doing. You're like that woman. According to your faith, be it unto you. When I read my Bible, I'm going to get a revelation. According to your faith, be it unto you. When I pray, I'm going to see answers. According to your faith, be it unto you. Y'all with me? Where's your faith this morning? Is your faith in God? Is your faith in God? Third thing is, then faith is going to determine your outcome. All right? Look at, look at Matthew 9.28. 9.28. Now, when he had come into a house, the blind man, blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He questioned their faith. They wanted to be, they wanted their sight to be made right. And he questioned their faith. Do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. So they stated where their faith was. So their faith had a voice. That voice began to give them direction and then that voice of faith, that direction of faith had an outcome for them. And then he's touched their eyes saying, according to your faith. I've always wondered about this story. Because what happens if one only half saw? One eye popped open. Or if their eyes did pop open, but they had really bad vision. He said, oh, Robert, they wouldn't do things like that. You know, Jesus, when he heals them, he does. I don't know. He said, according to your faith. So maybe they just had enough faith for one eye, but their eyes popped open. You see what I'm saying? Faith, that, 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 that it had a voice to it, it had a, a direction to it, and it had an outcome to it. Okay, now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. Now let me say this. Once you start developing your faith, your faith begins to produce eyes. Faith has eyes that, they, that can see. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we do not look at the things that are seen, while we do not look at the things that are seen, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but 
at the things which are not seen. How do you look at things that are not seen? Through the eyes of faith. When Moses was standing before the Red Sea and he cries out to God, what are we going to do? And God says, move forward. Moses had at that moment thought, huh, how do we do this? I mean, up until that point, I mean, it could be, I, I, I'm not 100% sure because it could have happened and not been written in the Bible, but I don't think anybody walked on water. You see, if today I said to you, we're trapped in the river and move out, one of y'all would pop up and say, Jesus walked on the water. Try it, pastor. Yeah, you wouldn't be willing to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, send me out there. I know you. I know you well. Pastor can do it. Send him. So Moses is faced at the Red Sea. He's faced at this. They tell him, Pharaoh, coming back here and army slaughter is going to come up back there. He's got to go forward. God says, move forward. And then God says, what do you have? He said, well, I got a rod. He said, use it. He's like, what is this going to do for me? We're not all going to float on the rod. So something happened that, that, that parted the sea. So what Moses is eye of faith, literally something happened that he had never seen before. But we have seen it because we read the story. We, are, we have such a great vantage point because if you've read your Bible, and you know what your Bible says. Well, then, you know, these stories, you know, these events, you know, that Elijah made uh, uh, the axe head swim on water. You know that the town that came to get him and, 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 he, and he said, no, there's more with us than there is with them. And then their eyes were open. They saw all the angels around them. You see, you get to be stirred by the stories. But those men who wrote the stories, you, they didn't have it. Wow. And they did it. How much more should we be people who have strengthened by faith, looking at what the word says, reading the word and saying, wow, because Jesus same yesterday to forever. And if he said, if you can do if I did it, you can do it also. So my goodness gracious, it shouldn't be even a step for us. But we spend too much time listening to doubt, unbelief. We spend too much time letting the world tell us it ain't going to happen. It's going down. We're going down. We're going down until you begin to believe it. But God says you've got to have faith eyes, not fish eyes, faith eyes. You got to have faith eyes that says that you can see the things that are not seen. Hello? So how do you do that? Well, I tell you, you got the advantage of having the word there for you. And then you get to sit around and you get to meditate on the word and say, golly, Lord, it's going to be so great when I'm healed. It's going to be so good when you, you, you open up that, that, that door. Oh, God, it's going to be so good when you put my marriage back together. Oh, God, it's going to be so good when you heal my heart. God, it's going to be so good that when Luke 4 and 18, you, 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 this, the spirit of the Lord says is upon you when you come out there and you mend the brokenhearted. Your eyes of faith. You can develop them. Fifth one. Go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Halfway through. Hebrews 11.1 1. says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith has substance. What is substance? Well, if you really go look up that Greek word, it's hypostasis. And the word hypostasis means the setting or placing under, things put under, a substructure or foundation. Things which has a foundation and is firm, that which actually exists. 
That's what the word means, substance. It's not, what's the word? Uh, it's not, you know, just out there in the twilight zone. It has substance to it. You can grab hold of faith. Faith moves you. Yes. So I don't know. I don't understand this. Okay. Don't beat yourself up. Start learning how to operate in faith. That gift that's on the inside of you called faith. Begin to stir up the gifts of God inside of you. Stir up faith on the inside of you. How do you do it? Well, you got to get in the Word. You got to go to church. You got to listen to preaching because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. That's how you develop faith. Listen, if you're not hearing the word, you're not listening to the messages, you're not, you're not reading your Bible, you're not doing that, you're not hearing words, so therefore faith cannot come and be developed on the inside of you. It's sitting inside of you, but it would be dormant. Okay. I always am amazed. My wife and I, we, you know, if we listen to a, 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 a preacher preaching or something like that, I'm always amazed that sometimes as we're, as we're listening to it, things that, that, that jump out to her and say, oh, that's good, really didn't speak to me. And then in a minute, I'm listening to something, whoo, did you hear that? And she's like, yeah. Because, see, we're all different. We're all, it's not levels of faith. We're all different, and God's ministering to us. Somebody's stirring. He's saying something that stirs our faith, and whoo, gets us. But if you're just walking around in this world, listening to CNN, listening to whatever you got on the, the, the news report, if you're listening to that garbage, that is not building your faith. That is building doubt within you that is going to tear down your whole fiber system of, of, of moral belief in God. But if you're listening to the word of God and you're hearing the word of God and the word of God's coming into your heart and you're hearing it, then faith is going to arise within you and something's going to change. Folks, we got to we got to quit spending time watching television and just seeing things that don't mean anything go over and over and over just to try to shut our minds off because we're so worried about everything going on and get into faith and get into the things of faith. Find the greatest preachers in the world. Find the wildest, craziest ones that make you nervous. And if you have enough word basis on the inside of you that you would know if they say something wrong, turn them off and turn somebody else on. Don't turn everything off. Listen, there's crazy people say all kinds of crazy stuff out there. But you stick with the old, the old generals. Then I will tell you something, they're preaching, and man, maybe it is wild. Maybe it is, maybe, you know, you, maybe you don't have to run around the building to get something from God. But bless God, it's just good sometimes to stretch your own faith. Because we all want to sit in a comfort zone. We think like by osmosis, we're going to receive the things of God. Oh, God, touch me. But he wants you to stir your faith. It's like, man, I, 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 I've told you this before, back in the 80s. I don't know, this big deal came out about sheets, the sheets, bed sheets that had scriptures on them. And they were really saying that if you slept on them, you know, had your head on the pillow, you would, you would get the word in you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Now, you might get it in if you're laying over there in the bed and you couldn't sleep that night and you're looking at the scripture that was written on the, on the sheet and you began to quote it. Yeah, maybe. But you weren't going to get it just by osmosis because you laid on it. You can't take your Bible and put, your, put it in your pillowcase and sleep on it and know what it says the next day. You've got to do something. And it's time for all of us to stir ourselves in faith. Because the hard times require greater faith. And to stir ourselves and to stir those people around us. Till you get a faith and a foundation that's firm, you're standing on it. It's a rock. Your faith has substance to it. The sixth thing. I'm going to shoot to finish them all today. Six things. I'm going to preach faster. So turn your, 
You can slow me down when you're watching on there. You turn, it's like slowing the tape down to catch my talk so fast. Faith never fails because God is faith. Go to 1 Corinthians 1.9. 1 Corinthians 1.9. Faith isn't going to fail because God's faith. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says God is faithful. He's not just faithful. He is full of faith. He is faith. Like they say, well, God is love. Well, let me tell you something. God is faith. You don't get around God. You're not going to get around the throne and sit around and God's going to say, yeah, I know. Things are hard right now, Robert. We're going to try to pull this thing off, but he's not looking too good. You don't hear that kind of talk around the throne between God and Jesus. Why? Because God's a God of faith. God moves in faith. God's not looking at everything going on in the world right now saying, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. He's just sitting around saying, no, watch what happens. Watch what I'm going to do because God is faithful by whom you were also called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You were God is faithful. God is faith. Therefore, faith never fails. If you'll operate in faith, you'll never fail. If you operate in hope, you might miss it. If you operate in intellect in your head, you'll be wrong. But if you operate in faith, God's word, believing him, I'm telling you what, you'll never fail. You'll never miss. I love this verse, Isaiah 50, verse 7. Isaiah 50, verse 7. For the Lord... God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I will not be ashamed. That's faith talk. That's Isaiah's faith talk. He said, I set my face like a flint and I will not be disgraced. I will not be ashamed for being a Christian. I will not be ashamed for believing in God Almighty. I will not be ashamed for believing in Jesus is coming back. I will not be ashamed that the, believing in the Bible. That's what he's saying. I set my face like a flint not going to be moved. Are we set like flint? Ask yourself that question. Are you set like Flint? Whew, you better be. Number seven, Luke 138, story of Mary. Now, you know the story that angel came to Zechariah, Gabriel came to Zechariah first and spoke to him, told him about John the Baptist, and, and, and he said the wrong words and ended up with his mouth, become mute, and he couldn't speak till John the Baptist was born, right? Because he didn't believe the angel. Mary, on the other hand, when the angel told her she was going to have a baby, <clears throat> she didn't doubt what the angel said. She just said, I'm not real sure that I understand how this is possible. Okay. Verse 38 says, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. In other words, I'm yours. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. She just said, look, I only knew babies are born between a man and a woman coming together. And you're telling me something's going to come on me. And I'm going, you know, I don't know. Oh, I'm just going to be quiet. I declare I'm the maidservant of the Lord. <laughs> Let it be according to your 
word. Folks, listen to me. You can never go long, wrong believing the word. Where people get off is they find one piece of word, they twist it around to what another piece of word says, then they try to tie all of that back together to get God to do what they want them to do, and that's going to be wrong. You're going to end in failure. But if you know God's word, and you let the word confirm itself in two or three places, and you know what Jesus said by, in, in, by reading the red letters, come on. You begin to know what the whole spirit of the word is. You see, uh, there's some books that were not printed in our Bible. Okay. And I've looked at some of them before. And the minute I start reading those other books, I look at them and I'm like, this ain't the same Bible. It don't read the same. For 37 years, I've been reading this thing continually every day. This one. I'm down, to the, I'm down to the problem now that I, I, I've got my Bible in pieces because here's this part, and then there's this other part. I have to nursemaid this one along. I hadn't got another one yet because I'm thinking about just gluing it myself, just pouring it on there. But if you look at my Bible, this part is all wore out. The leather's wore It's sticky right here because I've wore through the leather, and I'm down to the sticky. And this part over here, I don't know what that is. I mean, it's pretty bad. But I've written and all over this thing, tore all this thing up for 37 years. I've been reading, right? And I have found out, and I can tell you all here today with confidence, that God will do what his word said he'd do. If you want to twist his word to do what you want him to do, it's not going to happen. But if you do what his word said that he would do, he'll always do it. Your faith has to be in God's word. It can't be based on what I think I can believe. Give me some faith to go on. No, you can't do that. You can't work up faith for something that there's not a basis in the promises of God for you. And people are trying to do that. People are trying to get the word to say whatever they want to, to set, to, 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 to be able to do their agendas and what they want to do. And folks, you're not, that's going to end in shipwreck. You can't twist the Bible to try to make it make, make your social agenda acceptable. You can't do that. God's word is God's word, and he said it, and he'll perform it. But he's not going to perform your word. He's going to perform his word. He'll perform his word coming out of your mouth, but he's not going to perform your word coming out of your mouth. You say, what? No, if your word don't line up with the word of God, he's not going to perform it. Do you know how many people would be dead on this earth if God allowed everything that came out of your mouth to happen? Because everybody said, I wish he'd die, and that person just dropped dead. We'd be dead people all over the place. Because we say things like that. <laughs> Look at the person beside you and say, it must be talking about you. I don't do those kind of things. <laughs> Romans 4.20. He did not waver. He's talking about Abraham here. Romans 4.20. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Again, Abraham, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have the ability to go down and look at the Bible and go through it and look at it. No, he didn't have that, that, that blessings of all the study guides and an iPhone or whatever phone and going through and getting all the Bibles and the different translations. He didn't know. He didn't have that ability. But it says he just knew what God's word said when God spoke to him. And he was going to believe that God was going to perform what he said he'd do. Now, folks, listen to me. If the promise of God's in there, then God's going to do what he said he'd do no matter what it looks like. Because the eyes of faith see the faith, not see the circumstances going on around you. Amen. Number eight, Hebrews 12, one. <clears throat> now I'm down to the wire. I got to finish, folks. You're just going to have to stay with it. I mean, I only got two more. 
Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance a race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Wait a minute. Jesus is the author of your faith? So I got to thinking about this. If you wrote a book, you're the author, right? And so what you put in the book, that's yours, came from you. You wrote it down. You got it out of your head and owned a piece of paper. <coughs> Excuse me. Right? It says Jesus is the author of your faith. Think about that for a minute. He is the author of your faith. He's the one that created the faith in you in every step of your life. Everywhere you're going, he's trying to get you to believe in him and every miracle that took place, everything, every encouraging word, every, every phone call that came when you were on a discouraging day and your friend said, I don't know, I just felt like I was supposed to call you that day. He was writing in the book of your life, authoring your faith. I used to, I used to journal. Heard a message a long time about journaling and, and it is a good thing, but you know, just writing down what God's doing every day, writing down something about what God's doing. It's a good thing. But somewhere along the line, I quit doing it. But every now and then I go back to these journals. I mean, I'm talking about when I was a baby in Christ. And I read what I wrote, and I just laugh. Because it was like, like, because uh, <clears throat> when I was, when we first got saved, I was broke. I, was, I, I didn't have any money. I mean, we were like digging in under the seats for change. And so uh, I remember one day our plumbing got backed up. And, oh, I need a plumber. And oh, and I had this big, long thing in this journal about how I was trying to believe God doesn't stop the septic line. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any money. I couldn't call the plumber. Oh, God, would he do something? And then this man came by the house and he says, I just feel like I was supposed to be over here today. Is there something going on, you know, with your plumbing or something I can help you with? I'm a plumber. And I was like, And I had this big things written in this journal. Oh, my God, he's the greatest God on the face of the earth. He does such huge things for us. Look at what God has done. He sent a plumber. And then I thought to myself, as life went on and I gained a little more financially have ability, how many times I've just hired a plumber when I should have just been praying for the miracle, which I saw, and then here and watch it happen. But now I just call the plumber and say, hey, come here and fix this. Because he's authoring my faith. He's writing inside of me and making the author of my faith through the trials and tribulations that I walk through that he delivers me from. And then I get to go shout and jump and sing hallelujah. I've often thought about writing a book about my life. And, and I thought to myself, I don't know if anybody would read it. Because I literally have so many wild, crazy stories that I could tell y'all that I've never even shared with y'all over 30 years of ministry here that I still have other ones kept back. Because if I told you, you'd think I was off my rocker. Because in the natural, it sounds like, oh, my gosh. But I'm telling you, I could fill a book full of the miracles and things that I've seen God do. He has been the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the author of the book of faith in Robert Richards. My wife and I sometimes sit around and we talk about it. The times in life we have $7 in our hands trying to believe how we're going to make it through the week and feed our children. And we made it. I'm here today to tell you, God did it. Stretch that old hamburger helper out. Bless God, we're still alive and kicking. Number nine, last, I'm almost, almost through. The last one's going to be real easy. Number nine, 2 Corinthians 1.23. 2 Corinthians 1.23. 
He says, moreover, I call God, moreover, I call God as witness against my soul that to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over your faith. We're all fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. The last number nine here is by faith you stand. Folks, listen to me. There is no people can come to you and that don't understand faith and think you're crazy for believing in God and believing in Jesus and going to church on Sunday and reading your word and watching, uh, uh, you know, preachers on television and doing things like that. And they think you're crazy. Oh, I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. And they think you're crazy. Listen to me. It's okay. We have to stand in our faith. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not ashamed to stand in faith because Jesus said, if I'm not ashamed of him, he's not ashamed of me. And I'd rather be on God's side. Right. I'd rather be on God's side and be standing right at the end. Be that one, that servant that was still waiting for his coming and didn't go to sleep. Didn't start beating his servants over here and was just waiting for the Jesus come. Standing in faith saying, Lord, I'm believing in you. The last thing, Hebrews 4.1. The reason why I say this last one is not really a part because this last one is the results of no faith. I gave you nine positive things that faith would show you, would do for you. And the last one is what no faith will bring. What no faith brings, no results. No faith brings no results. Hebrews 4.1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, least us fear Least any of you seem to have come short of it, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as unto them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. They did not mix their faith with what they heard. They did not enter into rest. I mean, how much more plain could it be? I mean, I'm not trying to get you into some new message. I'm not trying to get you. I'm preaching an old fashioned good news gospel message today. I'm preaching the message today to you that has been preached for the last 2,000 years. All right? This is no new stuff. This is no, oh, I don't know about that faith stuff. Folks, if you don't know about that faith stuff, you've not heard the gospel. You've not read your Bible. Faith is not just something for just certain special people. No, faith is inside of each and every one. Everybody say with me, I got faith in me. Now, you got to develop it. You got to begin to use it. Amen? And so no faith is going to bring no results. It's what it says. You've got to mix your faith with what you hear. That means you have to be hearing because faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of God. Amen? Amen. So faith is going to get you through the hard times. So what you need to be is a great encourager of other people's faith also. It's our job in these days no matter how dark they may get, no matter how hard they may get, it's our job these days to be preachers, telling people, because why? Faith comes through hearing, hearing by the word of God. You say, well, I'm not really called to the ministry. Oh, oh, wait a minute. You mean you, you, you can't speak faith to your neighbor? You can't just tell your neighbor that Jesus loves them? Huh? That's not the preacher's job. Oh, look at the heads going down. Nobody wants to look at me now. I just went from being the good guy to being the bad guy. No, I mean, you can't speak faith, can't go to the coffee shop, and everybody's saying, oh, I don't know how things can get any worse. And you say, well, I know how things can get better. You go to your friend's house, they're crying, I tell you, whoa. And you say, well, you know, our old preacher was talking about a story about a woman going and touching the hem of Jesus' garment. You know, if you touch Jesus, he'll touch you. You don't have to be up here and give some great, great oration of the word of God. 
You just got to be people that are full of faith. And right now the world needs people full of faith. People that will stand up and say there is a God and God will get us out of this mess. And don't you worry, we're going to turn our, we're going to turn back to God. Repent for forsaken him, turn back to him and watch what it will do for you. Amen. 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 Well, stand to your feet if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down, please? Look at that person beside you. Come on and just, 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 maybe this is too much. Maybe just push them or shake them a little bit and say, hey, get stirred up. See, look at y'all good people. He said, don't touch me. I got my good clothes on. Don't touch me. You older people said, don't touch me. I might knock my back out. But we got to stir ourselves up. Yes. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, some of you good people, the biggest problem you have is, is you're, you're too reserved. I'm telling you, you may need to go home and run around the back of your yard and shout Jesus. Right. You say, well, I don't do that. I'm a very dignified person. I do not walk and run, much less around the yard shouting Jesus. <laughs> hey, these are hard times. And you want hard times to change in your life and you want to see Jesus moving, you're going to have to do some things different. So maybe you need to at least start with a little whoop. If that's all you could get. Like, see, my grandparents were godly Baptist people. Man, they were godly Baptist people. But I can't ever imagine either one of them jumping up and dancing and shouting. I just can't imagine seeing them do that. Right? They were raised in that generation that, you know, you were just there. But I'm telling you what, when you get turned on to Jesus, you'll forget about all your Baptist roots, your Methodist roots, your all these other roots, your Presbyterian roots, whatever. You go run around the yard preaching to the dog. You get turned on to Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so I want to pray for you right now. We've got our prayer team up here. Anyone out there listening to me or watching this video right now, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, Today you heard the good news. Jesus has made a way for you. It says, if you would confess him with your mouth and you'd believe in him in the heart, that he is the son of God, that he died on a cross for your sins and that he arose the third day and that his blood will wash your sins away and you call out on the name of Jesus, you'll not be ashamed. He'll touch you right there where you are. If you're in this building today and you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven, you're not sure that you're right with God. You've maybe, maybe you've gone through a hard time and, and you're just really full of doubt and unbelief today. Come up front. One of these people will pray for you. They'll encourage you. They'll strengthen you. They'll bless you. If you just have any other thing, you need to know somebody that needs prayer. And that's what the prayer team's here for today. Amen. So if you would grab that person's hand beside you and I want to bless you as we go. Father, I just declare over this congregation, Lord, I declare that these are going to be people full of faith. I declare that today their faith is stirred, that today, Lord God, they're going to grab hold and get a vision for faith. They're going to pick themselves up. They're going to quit listening to doubt and unbelief. They're going to stir themselves up and go out, Lord God, as lights in the midst of darkness. Lord, I declare that you have a, your hand upon them. You bless them. You speak to them. You show them everything that they need to know and what they need to do. And so, Lord, we thank you for them this day to make making them great lights in the midst of darkness. And Lord, we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.